Now, not because of a pandemic, not because of COVID-19, not because of lockdowns, shutdowns, riots, but spiritual warfare has always been the way of life for the child of God. Now, it has also, in most all of my life, I've got all kinds of books from every possible perspective you can imagine. So many people that have written about spiritual warfare is this, it is that, it is, you know, whatever, whatever. And, but most all of those seem to mystify spiritual warfare. They seem to make it mystical. They seem to make it a place of, uh, or maybe a walk that is reserved for just a few a few of the spiritually elite, or maybe pastors only, or prophets only, or, or, or uh, I mean, I think we've even mis, um, we've even uh, abused, if you will, in much of our camp, the charismatic or Pentecostal camp, we've even abused the word and the role intercessor, and it's almost mystical to so many uh, in the body of Christ today. But I want to suggest to you today that spiritual warfare. I'm not going to mystify it. It's been mystified enough. Rather, I want to attempt to simplify it today so that we all will begin to embrace warfare and the spiritual warfare and the war that we're in. And it's not just because, again, I'm not saying this because of COVID-19, because of a pandemic, because of all kinds of, you know, the spirit of Antichrist, etc., I'm saying it's always been this way, and I think the church has lost on too many fronts because we have sort of uh, deferred spiritual warfare to an elite few or certain people with certain titles, etc., apostles or prophets, whatever, <laughs> and we have, and we have uh, uh, not embraced and taken on that armor of God and walked in that armor and lived in that armor because we have come to believe that spiritual warfare is too complicated, it's too hard, it requires too much, it's nothing but suffering and crying all the time and so we'd rather not participate in other words most people in the body of Christ well pastor when it comes to spiritual warfare I'd rather just be a conscientious objector you know like the people that don't want to serve in the in the military my friend you don't have that option you don't have that right and I'm going to show you that from the Word of God today. I do believe spiritual warfare does these five things. It's about these five things. It's the way of life, as the title of this message says, for every follower of Christ. The way of life for every believer. It provides opportunities for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It blocks satanic activity. I'm going to talk about that later. It clears the way for marketplace Ministry, and let's face it, there's a lot of marketplace ministry going on today because a lot of churches can't meet or they're, they're, they're closed or the, the mandated not to open or, or, or whatever, but, and the creativity of the Holy Spirit is flowing and they're on the beaches and the rivers and the banks and the, and the, and the bridges and the public squares and they're out in the marketplace. God always intended ministry to be like that, always. God can move inside of this room, He can move out there, and I believe this last great awakening, this last great revival that we know, I believe, has already begun is going to be highways and byways revival marketplace and public place revival uh, boardrooms and break rooms and lunch rooms and classrooms revival and not necessarily inside the four walls of a building that has the word church over the doors it clears the way spiritual warfare for marketplace ministry and it accesses 
It accesses the supernatural resources of heaven. Are released as you walk in and embrace spiritual warfare. Let me just say, I believe the foundation for all spiritual warfare is simply this. This is the foundation for all spiritual warfare. The character of Christ. The character of Christ. Christ-like character. I've heard a recent song on Christian radio. Say what you will about Christian radio. I could give you ten times the number of opinions you may have, but I won't do that. Once in a while, I hear something that I'm like, wow, that's fresh in the music that they play. And I heard such a song over the last few days. And two questions in the song just really just made me think. I'm like, oh my, there's some, there's some, that's profound. And one of the questions was this, when did kindness become so revolutionary? Think about that. Man. Just kindness. It's like you're an extremist. You're a revolutionary. Well, if kindness has become a revolutionary, let the revolution begin. And let's all sign up to be a part of it. Then the song asks the second question, when did hate become so ordinary? I'm like, man. You, you think we, got, we, better, we better get the armor on and get out on the front lines of battle? There's a war raging, and I, again, and I believe the, the foundation for warfare, for our success in this warfare, is the character of Christ. And we're going to look at that in just a moment. Spiritual warfare really is simply this, it's the action of our faith. For without faith, faith without works, I mean faith without works is what? Dead. The action of our faith, the deeds of our faith are spiritual warfare. It is the public action that validates the private prayer. Spiritual warfare is our way of life. And I want to attempt to demystify spiritual warfare once and for all so that everybody in this room where you have been losing, you can start winning. Hello? Everybody listening to me today, where you've been losing, you can begin to win. Because one thing is for sure, you and I are taking fiery darts shot at us from the devil. Now you can take fiery darts and have no armor on and be shot full of holes and bleed out all the time and cry and get upset and get depressed and, be a, and, 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 and not be in victory and not have peace. Or you can suit up in the armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians and wear that armor every single day so that the fiery darts of the devil just deflect off of you because my friend, he is shooting at every one of us. He hates you if you love Jesus. And way too many in the church are getting shot and they're bleeding and they're wounded and the wounds and because they miss this they're not involved in spiritual warfare so they're not wearing the armor they don't put it on before you leave today I want you to put it on and keep it on so that we wield the sword of the spirit in the power of the spirit and cause some devil's heads to start rolling in Jesus name Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to pull down 
to demolish strongholds. Some translations say they are mighty. The weapons of our warfare are mighty. Paul introduces one of his fellow servants and partners in ministry in Philemon chapter 1 this way, a fellow soldier in the Christian warfare. Read that from the Amplified Version. We're in a war together. Paul knew it. He taught us very openly and very clearly about it. We know some of the final words that Paul uttered and Paul wrote before he faced execution or martyrdom, if you will. I have fought a good fight. Right? We tend to only read that verse at funerals. I never can figure that out. It doesn't matter to that dead person, but we that are living need to understand we fight a good fight. We need to read that more while we're alive, not after we're dead. We fight a good fight. I fought a good fight, the Apostle Paul said. Folks, I want to demystify spiritual warfare. I want to simplify it because it is simple. It's a simple, simple principle. It's, it's, it, and it's the calling. It's a part of the calling, the commissioning of every single believer. Paul is raising up young Timothy to take over the ministry, a spiritual son. And he says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Join with me in suffering. Wow, that, I don't know. That's not a very good recruiting line, is it? To get people involved in your ministry? And join in us, this church, and join us in our suffering. <laughs> Why couldn't Paul say, join me in my prosperity? Join me in, 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 in the mansion that I have. Join me. No, he said, Timothy, join me in suffering. Look at this. Like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. I talked last Sunday about, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not comforting to say to someone that lost the race, you almost won. You almost won. Well, to almost win means you absolutely lost. Paul said that in verse 5 and verse 6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Now see, I don't believe I stand up here. I know I don't stand up here. My understanding of my role as a pastor, as a shepherd, uh, as a spiritual leader, is I'm not a commander-in-chief. There's only one commander-in-chief. But I understand my role to be a reminder-in-chief. I'm a reminder-in-chief. I'm not ever supposed to ever tell you something you've never, ever, ever heard again if you, you have one of these. But I'm, I'm to remind you. I want to remind you. I want to put you into remembrance. Remember Jesus Christ, verse 8, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Hallelujah. Folks, there are church doors being chained right now. There are some pastors, I don't know, maybe their wrists have been chained. 
But the Word of God is not chained. Unfortunately, we have governors, mayors, senators, public officials that are going, that are choosing to go the way of the presidents and kings and queens and dictators and Herods and Caesars of old. They think that they're going to close the church down. They join a long list of failures over the centuries who also thought they would shut the church down and be rid of it once and for all. That will never happen. The gates of hell will never prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's unfortunate for these that are lining up to think they're going to criminalize Christianity and criminalize worship, criminalize the church in America. That's unfortunate that they're getting in because they're joining a long list of those who tried and failed every single time. Folks, God says, I, you, the doors, the, uh, the, the wrists might get chained up at some point, but the word of God and the promise of God and the prophecies of God are not and cannot ever be chained. Unfortunately, there are too many of God's children today that have gotten entangled in civilian affairs. Paul just said to Timothy, nobody serving as a soldier in this army gets entangled in civilian affairs. A whole lot of church folk have gotten entangled in COVID-19 affairs. Entangled in cares of life affairs. Entangled in political affairs. Entangled in flesh and blood affairs. And, and we've got to break free of these entanglements and get our focus on the war again as soldiers in the army of God. Because the affairs of COVID-19 are powerless to stop the Word of God from working in your life. The affairs of this pandemic, and there are many, and they are strong, but they have no restraining effect upon the Word of God. Neither is God wearing a mask, as I've said before. Neither is heaven keeping or God keeping His distance from you. Uh, as I've said before, heaven is not on a lockdown, nor is heaven in a stimulus relief mode. Let God be true and let every man be a liar has never had more direct application to our lives and to our country than it does right now. Hallelujah. If you feel chained up today, I've come to tell you the word of the Lord over your life is not chained. Do not look at your outward chains, but fix your eyes upon the unchained word of the Lord, the unchained resources of heaven that are still flowing today. And as good soldiers, we are not going to entangle ourselves in any of the affairs of flesh and blood because that is not where our warfare is fought. And my friend, if you allow the devil to draw you into the arena of the flesh, into the battlefield of the flesh, he, the devil, will win every time. I said, yeah, he will win every time in that arena, in that battlefield. But if we keep it in the spirit, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above principalities and powers, and we war, like the Apostle Paul said, whatever you do, make sure you war a good warfare. That means we can be warring a bad warfare. 
And I don't want to be caught warring a bad warfare. I want to war a good warfare from the perspective of the heavenlies where we already have the victory. The victory is already ours in and through and by the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There is still power in the name of Jesus, in the Word of God, to break every chain of COVID-19. Hallelujah. And for all those that think they're going to chain up the church of Jesus Christ as if the church of Jesus Christ is a criminal, I've got news for you. You might chain wrists and you might chain doorknobs and you might chain bars, but you will never chain the Word of God. It will go forth. It will, it will spread. It will increase. And you know what? Sometimes when they chain the wrists and chain the doors, the Word of God increases all the more because it is supernatural. Hallelujah. It is supernatural, not bound or limited by natural restrictions of any kind. Thank you, Father. The Word of God, the Kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit, the Gospel cannot be chained. I said, I I believe I hear some chains falling right now in Jesus' name. I hear chains falling off of your mind, off of your health, off of your finances, off of your marriage, off of that business, off of your children. Because the promise and the prophecy of God cannot and will not ever be chained. Hallelujah. That was my introduction. Now for point... I... (laughs) I want to simplify spiritual warfare... It's been too complicated, too mystical for way too long. I want us to look at the character of Christ point that I made at the beginning. Acts 10.38, a verse that I've, ooh, I love it, love it, love it, love it. My second favorite verse in all of Scripture. Jesus is being described. Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Some translations say all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. That is powerful. And that is warfare, spiritual warfare. Jesus under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. We too are under the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. Went about doing good. And healing all the, how this is so, I mean, again, this, this, the meaning for this is so, so literal for us today. Healing all those that were blind or deaf. Yes, he did all that, but this verse says, all those being oppressed by the power of the devil, by the spirit of Antichrist, by the spirit of COVID-19, by the spirit of a pandemic. All who are oppressed, and there are many that are oppressed. I read a statistic in the news this week that just sickened my heart. And it said 25% of adults in America, 25%, one in four, have seriously contemplated suicide because of the stresses of COVID-19. That, my friend, is a terrible, harrowing statistic. That's not going to be any of us in the name of Jesus. We've got to begin to war a good warfare. 
The devil is trying to destroy an entire nation, but he's not going to succeed because the body of Christ is. The soldiers of God are rising up. They're coming out of the shadows. They're beginning to understand, I, I can no longer be in reserves. There's no place in the army of the Lord for a conscientious objector. It does not exist. We are in active duty. We are, we are on the, to move out onto the front lines, and we're beginning to engage the enemy in spiritual warfare. And it starts with something as simple as this. Jesus went about doing good. Wow. Told you it would be simple. Doing good. The Apostle Paul expounds that in Romans 12, verse 21. And this short verse, it's really powerful. But overcome evil with good. <clears throat> that, that, it, that easy? That's a, and that's a, that's a warfare verse when you, you see the word overcome. Overcome means to subdue, to conquer. It means to prevail, to get the victory. <clears throat> we are more than conquerors in and through and by Jesus Christ. To overcome evil, you overcome evil by doing good. Again, good that is anointed by the power and the Spirit. The power of God and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit anoints our lives and our good. Because listen, right now, good deeds are a dime a dozen, and good deeds don't redeem anybody. Unless they're coming from the heart of a person that knows God. Unless they're coming from an anointed life. Unless they're coming from one who is uh, uh, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then a good deed is a, war, is, is a warfare thing. It overcomes evil and ministers life to somebody. All good deeds uh, don't do that. Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good just as Jesus did. Colossians 3.17, Paul says it like this, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, because it's, my friend, it's warfare. It's warfare. Good deeds done by spirit-filled believers are our spiritual warfare, good deeds done by the child of God, good deeds done by the church will overcome evil. Let's break it on down further thanks to Jesus' help and His words in Matthew 5, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. It's simple but profound but heavy. It's as simple as doing good. That's warfare. Doing good overcomes evil. It's not an eye for an eye with the child of God and the soldier of God. It's, it's we, do, we do good and we give good in return for evil. And in giving good in return for evil, our good overcomes evil. Hallelujah. Now think, for me for, think with me for just a minute. We, we know, there's no question that miracles and healings, signs and wonders, we know those are good things. We know those are good deeds. Let's set that specific category of good deeds aside. What else might Jesus have done that we could call a good deed? Because Acts 10.38 says he went about doing good as well as healing the oppressed, the bound, the afflicted. He also went about just doing good. Hmm. Maybe he volunteered at a leper colony. We know he had 
they dealt with leprosy quite a bit in his time. Maybe he helped out at a soup kitchen. Maybe he painted somebody's house or fixed their roof. After all, he was a carpenter by trade. Uh, we know he cleaned some fish, mended some nets probably. His whole team, were, a lot of them were fishermen. He grilled up some fish for some of his friends, didn't he? Maybe he gave an offering, a financial offering to someone in need. All of that, according to the Word of God, is spiritual warfare that overcomes evil. Doing good. Paul continues in, uh, with his other spiritual son, Titus. Chapter 3, verse 1. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Yeah, you can be a soldier in the army of God and still be gentle and peaceable and considerate. Again, when did kindness become so revolutionary? Just kindness. Because, verse 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient. Deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Goodness gracious, those are the daily headlines across this country. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, woo, He saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to stress these things, Titus. Paul is saying, stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful, look at this, to devote themselves to violent warfare. No. To devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Doing good in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water, give somebody a bottle of water in my name, you've done a truly good deed because there's life in that gift. Because you gave it, you are anointed and you are filled with power and you gave it in and through and by His love. Folks, let's show the world. Let's, let's show the world. Let's show the world that we can stay married to the same person for 50 years. <laughs> wow. Now let's show, let's show the world we can have children who still love and respect us. Let's show them the, the, there, there is a joy that remains after happiness is gone. 
You know, let's show them that there is a hope in hopeless times. Let's show them peace in despairing times. Let's show them confidence in confusing times. And yeah, let's show them common courtesy. Let's be a part of the revolution, if that's what it really is now, of kindness. In doing that, we are warring a good warfare. Folks, did you know that one of the most distinguishing marks of the New Testament church was that their lives were radiant? Their lives shined with the love of Christ and the hope that Christ is. They were radiant, according to Scripture. Christians that were beaming because of the marvelous light that had shined upon their hearts. I don't know, how many radiant believers do you know today? I'm not looking at too many right now. (laughs) Radiant. You know, like right after you got saved. Right after you got healed. Right after you got a miracle. Right after God gave you that mate, that companion, that, that business, that degree. that Radiance. Folks, if we live by the tree of life, and we're supposed to all live by the tree of life, I've done that message a few times. The difference between living by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and living by the tree of life. The, according to the to Scripture, the, the leaf never fades. The tree of life, the fruit, the leaves never fade. That means the tree of life is radiant, is shining, is beaming all the time. His glory shining through us. Hallelujah. That's a distinguishing mark of New Testament Christians. A brightness that does not fade. A glory that does not fade that can be seen even in our countenance. Your joy will not fade. Your peace, your hope, your testimony will not fade. Because we're talking about a light that cannot and will not fade. A salvation that cannot fade. A message that cannot fade. An inheritance incorruptible, the Bible says, that fades not away. I'm talking about a hope eternal and forever that never fades. I'm talking about joy that is unspeakable and is full of glory that never fades away. The Bible says there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness in heaven that will never fade away. Hallelujah. Many of us had that radiance at one time, but it's faded somewhere along the way, entangled with civilian affairs, entangled in COVID-19 affairs. And the joy's begun to fade. The testimony's beginning to fade. Inheritance, your forgiveness, what good is, a, a, what good is an, a forgiveness that fades with time? I'm asking the question, where are the radiant ones today? Where are the beaming ones? Where are the shining ones? Where are the burning ones? For if God has shined upon our hearts, then it's time for us to arise and shine, to radiate, to burn, to beam, to light up, to blaze. Jesus said in Luke 11, if you are filled with light within, then your face will be radiant too, as though a floodlight is beamed upon you. It's as simple as this. You want to start destroy the darkness? Shine. I said shine. You want to expose sin? Shine. 
You want to be a witness? Shine. You want to show them Jesus? Shine. You want to war a good warfare? Shine. You want them to see the salvation of the Lord? Shine. Do you want to have revival? Then shine. And you know what? The darker the night, the brighter the light. Yes, there's darkness according to the prophet Isaiah. Gross darkness across the land. But the glory of the Lord is rising and is shining upon His people once again. And that glory, Scripture says, is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. There's an interesting thing about light. If, this were, if it were pitch black in here and there was no light, we could seal up every crack and every crevice and not allow any light in here, and it was completely black. In the introduction of light, be it a match, be it a flashlight, be it one light that was switched on, all of a sudden you could not see darkness flee. That's how fast Darkness flees when the light is turned on. Hallelujah. So this little light of mine, let it shine. That's all you got to do is let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm going to let it shine. Let the radiance who is Jesus, who has shined in our hearts, the marvelous light that has shined upon us, begin to radiate from our lives every single day as we war a good warfare, as we overcome evil with good, as we suppress and, and drive darkness out with the light that is the goodness of the Lord in us hallelujah you're the light of the world Jesus said in Matthew 5 a city a town built up on a hill that cannot be hidden neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl how foolish instead they put it on a stand they lift it up high and it gives light to everyone in this context the very next verse says this Matthew 5 14 to 16. In the same way, let that light shine. Let your light shine that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I told you good deeds is spiritual warfare. Good deeds overcome evil. Good deeds put out the darkness of sin. And, and, and Jesus puts this together right here in these three verses. Let your light shine. Be radiant. Be bright. So that as people see your light, followed up by the actions, the good deeds, your character, the example of Christ that you are, they will glorify your Father in heaven. Meaning they're going to come into a place of, say, of, uh, of salvation, if you will, to bring glory to the Father in heaven. And folks, it's as simple as that. Spiritual warfare need not be mystical. It need not be for only a few. It, it is for every single believer. We are all in this army, in this fight, in this war together. And as we begin to embrace it and understand how simple it is that we're just let our light shine, be radiant, be bright for Jesus and the hope of Christ and wear your Acts to Worship Center mask and... Do good. Because see, our good is anointed with the power and the Spirit of God. It's not just good deeds that are dying. They're just everywhere right now that have no life in them, no redemption in them. Our good deeds have redemption in them. They overcome evil. Good triumphs over evil. The good done by the people of God, by the soldiers 
in the army of the Lord. Would you stand with me right here all over the room? Lift up your hands. If you've been AWOL, <laughs> absent without, if you've been AWOL in your military service, get back into active duty right now. The commander-in-chief is ready to receive you. Get your, you. You've got your marching orders. Get the armor of God on. Begin to see wins where you've been seeing losses. And let's together begin to advance and push forward the cause of Christ and push forward the cause of the army of the Lord to advance into the enemy's territory and take it back in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Taking back your health, your mind, your peace, your joy, your marriage, your child. Hallelujah. Your business, your finances in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for how simple warfare is. We do good in the name of Jesus. It opens the doors of opportunity, blocks satanic activity, gives us places and people to encounter that we can shine brightly to in a dark world. We are not going to get entangled any longer in civilian affairs, in COVID-19 affairs. Or we're going to stay focused with our heart and eyes fixed upon the mission that you left us with, Jesus. And it's the same for us, how we are anointed with the Holy Ghost and power to go about doing good and healing ministering to, releasing all of those who are oppressed by the devil. For God is also with us as he was with Jesus and Paul and, Tim, and all the saints of old. He's with us. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, you're doing a recommissioning right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A recommissioning. Again, I stand before this people as reminder-in-chief. We have one commander-in-chief, and that is Jesus. One captain of the host of the army of the Lord, and His name is Jesus. And from this day forth, we're going to war a good warfare with victories instead of defeats, wins instead of losses. Hallelujah. And trophies and prizes instead of just honorable mentions. Because we're, we're in this fight to win. And we're going to hear you say, well done. <laughs> well done. When we reach the end. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And keep you. And make His face shine on you so you can shine. And let me tell you something. You can shine through the Acts Who Worship Center mask. You wear that and you'll shine right through it. Not through them other ones I'm looking at. But if you get that one, get one if you can. Five dollars while they last.